morning. Recently, I was reading an article from the Mornings with Jesus 2022 book. The author of the article was a woman named Jeannie Blackmer. And Jeannie Blackmer was on vacation and she was scuba diving in Belize with her husband, the class instructor, and the rest of the scuba class. Now, only a few minutes into the dive, she looked at her air gauge and saw that it was in the red, which means that she was running out of air. Flip one more, Carol. All right. She fran- now, you imagine you're underwater, okay, all of a sudden you, you're running out of air, all right, and you're not really all that schooled in it anyway. So you can imagine what, what, what she, the state she was in. But she showed her husband the gauge, and her husband pointed her to the instructor. Uh, and the instructor calmly handed her his buddy breather apparatus, which was connected to his air. And so they shared the, his air for the remainder of the dive, and disaster was averted. Now, we seem to be drawn to dramatic stories like this where life and death is at stake. And accounts told by survivors are just riveting to us. We see them on TV shows and all grades of kinds of things. And I must admit, I'm hooked on a Smithsonian Channel show that's called Aircraft Disasters. And the survivors, if there are any, give all grades and kinds of accounts as far as what they felt and heard and saw during the, the final moments of that particular of Now, I'll sit there and binge watch them, you know, and Sheila just has a fit, you know, because she can't see that if she ever gets on an airliner again, she's going to remember every single one of those shows. She's going to be frightened for the entire flight to think she's going to die any second she's in there. Now, both ancient history and recent history is full of life and death accounts like this. And I've selected a few just to mention as far as this morning is concerned. Now, remember Abraham. Now, he and his wife Sarah waited decades for the arrival of their son, Isaac. Now, in Genesis chapter 22, God asked Abraham to offer that son, Isaac, which they had waited decades to have, God told him to use him as a sacrifice. Now, that is a life and death situation for you. In Judges chapters 13 through 16, we are told the story of Samson. Now, Samson was the last of the judges over Israel. Now, Samson got himself in all kinds of trouble throughout his life. And finally, Samson was captured and just simply humiliated by the Philistines, which is the worst ending you could imagine. In 1 Samuel 17, we're told the and his face-off with the Philistine giant, Goliath. And I can imagine if they were taking odds on that particular battle, the odds would not be in David's side. When we go to the New Testament, 
Christians were almost an endangered species during the period of the early church. Now, Christians were persecuted in a variety of different areas. One area were the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders persecuted Christians because it was basically a threat to their power. And the persecution was such that it included, as you see here, the stoning of Stephen by the Jews. And in carrying out this persecution, the chief individual was Saul, who later became who? Paul, exactly. But man, yeah, it says up here, you know, a mean and nasty man, right? And that's exactly what Saul was as far as Christians were concerned. He persecuted Christians wherever he could find them. His mission was to go out and eradicate them from wherever they lived, wherever they were in the world. You know, it's, it's hard to believe this, this man became who he was, but he was awful as far as early Christians were concerned. Now, the governing body, which was the Roman government at this particular time, their treatment of Christians was no better. Their persecution included putting Christians in the arena with lions. Now, obviously, that's a death sentence because it's tough to win a battle with Now, also, their punishments included uh, burning them during their parties as a source of entertainment and life, as far as that was. You know, so the Romans just treated them horribly, and the worst of the worst persecutions was crucifixion. Now, in our own day, fearful events are becoming almost commonplace, especially with mass media. You know, with mass media, you know, bad things always show up on TV, and especially since mass media is now aided by phones. You know, virtually everything gets recorded nowadays. You know, and sometimes, and this is, this is just Terry's opinion, sometimes I wonder if it's really a lot worse than it was before, or do we just see it more often? You know, but anyway, that's just my take on things. Now, but examples of situations that we routinely encounter today include shootings in cities, shootings in counties, shootings in schools, carjackings, robberies, abductions, and more. And families who have to deal with these events must find some way to deal with it. It's kind of upon them. Imagine if your child was in school and was killed by a maniac with a rifle. You know, it's not like you can just put that off and say, okay, well, that didn't really happen. Well, yes, it did. And these people, you know, our hearts just go out to these people, you know, because, and, and, and you know, in the back of your mind, you say, I'm going to me. You know, but those people have to deal with these particular situations. And anyone facing such a situation runs headlong into a question made famous 
by the original Ghostbusters movie. And that question is, who you gonna call? And the answer ain't Ghostbusters. People need someone to help them deal with what we might call an impossible situation. Now, in today's world, when you talk about who you're going to call, you know, common examples would include parents, spouses, parents, adult children, close friends, and even the person sitting beside you if the plane's going this way. So there's all kinds of folks that who you're going to call may fit in today's world. But if you're looking for a role model to look for in such a situation, look no further than Jesus himself. You all know that a sinless Jesus was crucified by the Roman world. Now, we also know that the Jewish leadership was behind that, but Jews couldn't uh, impose capital punishment, and so the Roman government had to get involved. Crucifixion was literally the worst possible way that the Roman government could figure to kill somebody. I mean, they, they, would, they would do this along roadways to show people that this is not what you want to happen to you. And it was a way to control people. You know, so they, they made sure that it was in very visible places where they could send that particular message. Rebel if you want, hang on a cross later on. You know, and so it was really an effective method as far as controlling people are concerned. So, who did Jesus call when he was up on that cross? Jesus called his Father, God. Jesus called on God in the last statement he made on the cross. The last statement that he made on the cross just before he breathed his last. In Mark chapter 15, verse 34, records it as Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. I looked that up. <laughs> Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In the King James, it was forsaken. Let me be clear here. Jesus was not scolding God in any way, shape, or form. But, for the first time in Jesus' life, he couldn't access God. Because God can't look on sin, and Jesus took on sin. So it was like he was alone for the first time in his life. Imagine how fearful that must have been. Still, Jesus fulfilled his mission. So if Jesus Christ 
without a doubt, the greatest human being who ever graced the earth. If Jesus Christ finds it necessary to call on God during duress, shouldn't we do the same? Now, Jesus wasn't the first person to call on God. Let's look at those previous examples I mentioned a while ago of people in uh, biblical folks in life and death situations. We talked about Abraham when he was about to kill his son. The son promised him by God. And he was obeying what God told him to do. And the knife he held in his hand was getting ready to be on the way toward the body of that son that he and Sarah had waited so long for before the angel of God gave Abraham's hand. And the angel of God actually told Abraham, we know you're God's man because he was willing to do that. And then God provided a sacrifice. A ram caught in some thorns right close by. Samson, though he had failed to follow the rules that God had set forth, he finally asked God for the strength to basically end his problems. Now, we all know about his hair, right? The thing was, it wasn't his hair that gave him his strength. It was God who gave him. And it wasn't the fact that they cut his hair that took away his strength. It was that God withdrew his strength. So Samson put himself in that particular predicament. And God, when, when Samson, you know, for God's help, he finally got around to knowing who was in charge. For God's help, and God complied. And God returned Samson's strength to him, and it gave him the strength to literally topple the Philistine temple. And all the Philistine high beings, if you will, were in that temple, and I've read in some notes before that there were 4,000 on the roof. And so when he toppled that temple, he brought death not only on himself, he also brought death on just about everybody that was anybody as far as the Philistine nation was concerned. When we last left David, he was about to take on Goliath. All right, here he is, there's Goliath. David prayed that God would protect him. David knew that God protected him when he was a shepherd and he was attacked by a lion and he was attacked by a bear and David made it through both of those accounts. And David knew that the only reason he did was because God saved him. So here David is facing his greatest challenge ever. A challenge that none of the other Israelite professional soldiers would take on. God complied with David's request, 
and we know David prevailed over Goliath. God has always promised to look after his children. In today's world, his children are called Christians. Now, Jesus looks out after all of us. Sometimes we think, you know, I just, you know, I know Jesus is telling me TMI, (laughs) too much information, which is not true. Jesus never tires of hearing our prayers and doing what's best for us. His solutions are always the best possible answer for the situation involved. The only trouble is that, you know, our world, especially our world today, you know, people today have the attention span of a gnat. You know, and and even Christians, when they pray, they want that answer by the time they say amen. You know, and that's not necessarily going to happen. In fact, that's rarely going to happen. And I know in my case, that gets me in trouble over and over again. Because without God saying, okay, this is what you need to do, I figure, okay, i got a plan. You know, and, and nine times out of ten, that plan is awful. You know, but it's my plan. And I wind up getting in all grades of kinds of trouble because of it. Why? Because I don't have the patience to wait for God to show me something better. So, this takes us to our next step. Now, during last Sunday's sermon, I watched it down there at the beach. During last Sunday's sermon, James had a flock of next steps. All right, one of them was to ask for help. Ask for help. And I want to slightly modify his ask for help. The next time you are in any kind of stressful situation, when it comes down to who you're going to call, ask Jesus for help. There are situations where you just cannot go it alone where you just can't figure out why something is happening, where you just can't figure out what your next step should be. Just ask Jesus for help. Now, that's not to say that spouses, parents, Children, friends, can't be useful. But why not go to the most powerful being in the universe first? And then once you go to Jesus, just let go and let God do what He does. Get out of the way. Now, I'm not saying don't ask anybody else for help with this kind of thing, but if you start with Jesus, then you're more likely going to get the right answer on what you should do. 
if you start with people, you're going to get their opinion of what the right thing to do is. And even if it was good advice for them at that time, it may not fit you at your time at all. You know, we're not cookie cutters. We don't all respond in the same kind of way. We mentioned David. And we're talking about the Psalms in Jason's series. Well, in Psalms 28, verses 6 and uh, through 7, David eloquently states the following. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. Now, was David a perfect man? Not at all. But David at least knew who to go to when he was in trouble. Even if it's self-induced. And this is what he wrote about that. I have to answer this because she said, this reminds me of this verse. Boom, there it is. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your loving care over us. We thank, thank you for the fact that with all you have to do, you still look after each and every one of us. Father, teach us that when we're in dire straits, that you should be number one on our call list because you care for us and you will do the best for what we need in that particular situation. So, Father, guide our minds so that when we don't understand something or we're just in a bad uh, situation, Guide our minds right to you. Help us remember, Father, that you're the best call that we can possibly make. In Jesus' name.